Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning to all of my international listeners out there. It is a great day to be alive. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And um, start out by saying that um, I hope that you guys out there are doing just great in spite of everything that is going on in our in our country and in our world. And um, I want to say that I am doing just great and I am praying that You all out there are doing the same. Now, here we are, listeners, at another day that the uh, government shutdown is still in effect in this country. And, you know, and I'm just so uh, sorry that, um, you know, that is is still going on. I just wish that, you know, when we had uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, my hope and my prayer was that it was it would have been resolved. Um, you know, and I, I know that I keep, you know, saying to you that this will end soon and, you know, and, um, you know, but I'm going to continue to hope and pray and I'm, and I'm asking that you all do the same and that, that it will end soon. And, you know, I know, you know, that, you know, that is, is, is trying, it's a trying time and things like that, but trust me, it'll, 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 it's, it's all going to be okay. Now, I, I just want to say that, you know, there was this interesting article from The Hill that was uh, posted on 122-2019 by Avery Annapol, and it states the following part about a resolution to the shutdown. Uh, now, Senator Mark Warner, he's a Democrat of Virginia, on Tuesday introduced legislation to prevent future government shutdowns in the event of funding lapses. Now, the, he's calling it the stupid, the, the, this is called the Stop Stupidity um, and what the stupidity stands for, I thought it was very interesting, is shutdowns transferring unnecessary pain and inflicting damage in the coming years. Okay? Um, so it's the Stop Stupidity Act. Now, this act would automatically renew funding for all aspects um, of the government listeners besides the legislation bra- legislative branch and president's office at the same level at, as the previous year. Now, a press release about the legislation said that such a policy would keep the government running in the event that lawmakers are not able to pass a funding bill due to policy differences. Warner said in a release that Stop Tupidity Act would protect federal government workers from being used as pawns, okay, in policy negotiations. And I think that is a super, super idea. Now, he also added that the bill would force Congress and the president to do the jobs they were elected to do without hurting the American public, which is something that I mentioned on my last program, that now this this person in the White House is going to have to abide by the laws and rules and respect the office of the president that he represents. The article goes on to say it is disturbing that the daily lives of hundreds of thousands of workers are at the mercy of dysfunction in Washington. Workers, business owners and taxpayers are currently paying the price of D.C. gridlock 
and my legislation will put an end to that. Senate Republicans led by uh, Senator Rob Portman, he's a Republican in Ohio, have also introduced similar legislation, the End Government Shutdowns Act. I don't know what his is about. However, so listeners, this is not like there are not good people uh, who are out there working on, on our behalf. I'm just, I just wanted to say that because it seems so dim and grim and there, and you know that it is, you know, for example, Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer are working diligently, you know, to, to get this, this shutdown um, come, you know, to come to an end. Now, this is why I say that prayer, hope and listening with open-mindedness when you are in a, in a, a gridlock or um, have reached an impasse in the negotiations. These are just three important factors that I feel should be included, you know, as resolutions to problems are important, particularly now. Okay. Now we are going to have interesting conversations this day, as usual with my guest, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell. Now, we have a lot to talk about. And now I will start with my uh, dinner table conversation that's going to be titled Opioids Massive Mess in This Country. And then my guest and I are going to start with our discussion of Nancy Pelosi, a savvy political woman, then traveling while black. Is slavery still alive in this country? And did you hear this? And as usual, I would like to start off with, you know, with something, you know, and particularly this time, I want to start off with something that I feel that is quite uplifting. Um, and, um, you know, I always talk about uh, the books that I read and I love reading. Well, I have this book called Instant Happy, and the author is Karen Salmonson, and she is the best uh, selling author of How to Be Happy, Damn It. Okay. Now, um, I have this book, you know, sitting in, in, you know, in my home as I have all my books, but I have this one right here readily available because, you know, just in case I need to, you know, have something to, to give me a spark or boost, um, in the beginning of the day or throughout the day. Now, I just want to read a couple of them, couple of them here, um, you know, cause we have a lot to talk about, but I would just like to start the day off by saying when one door closes, try a window, then try a new door. Then try a new window. The world is full of doors and windows. Eventually, you'll find one that stays open. Okay. Now, the next one says, if only I had, if only I didn't have, I can't until, but I am not. If my family wasn't, not until, no, I don't have. Yes, but if only I were, if only I weren't. Not now because what's your pet excuse? Isn't it time to set it free? Okay. Now, this one says, repeat after me. I forgive myself for not being perfect. And I recognize none of us are perfect. So I am open to forgiving others. When life's strong winds come blowing, bend with them and let go. By bending, you will become stronger in new places by letting go, you will make room for the new and the better. And I thought that that um, was very apropos, particularly for um, individuals that are going through this government shutdown and um, that, you know, to have something uplifting. So, as I said, you know, this is a good book. It's called Instant Happy uh, by Karen Salmonson. And um, if you can, 
And though if you like, you know, you should, you know, go and uh, get a copy. I actually, I purchased mine from Z Gallery, but I'm sure that you can get it from other um, places like Amazon or, or Bonds and Noble. Okay. Now let's get into my dinner table conversation, which is titled Opioids, a massive mess in this country. Now, this is a report of CNN by Chris Boyette and Holly Yan on January 14th, 2019. And it says a mass drug overdose in California kills one person and leaves 12 more hospitalized. A massive drug overdose at a home in Chico, California, has killed one person and sent more than a dozen people to hospitals. Now, the Chico police chief, um, Michael O'Brien, said the main substance involved is believed to be fentanyl the most commonly used drug in overdoses, according to a recent government report. Now, the Chico Fire Department Division Chief Jesse Alexander told the station it was the largest mass casualty incident he had seen in years. He described seeing six people undergoing CPR at the same time. Now, the police uh, chief also said, listeners, that officers administered CPR and six doses of naloxone. Naloxone, which is a treatment for opioid overdoses used as a nasal spray or an injection. It blocks or reverses the effects of opioids and is often carried by first responders. Now, it says that two officers who responded to the uh, scene also went to a hospital after they said they felt the effects of a drug uh, similar to fentanyl. Now, this is re- was reported by KHSL-TV. Now, both officers were treated and released. So now, listeners, this is not anything new regarding reports about fentanyl, codeine, hydrocodeine, hydrocodeine, acetaminophen, methadone, and the list goes on and on. And by the way, acetaminophen, according to EverydayHealth.com, says the following. Acetaminophen is the generic name for Tylenol, a pain reliever and fever reducer, sold mainly over-the-counter to treat a variety of conditions, headaches, muscle aches, toothaches, and arthritis. Now, acetaminophen is the active ingredient not only in Tylenol, but also in Panadol, Feverol, and many other drugs. And this is reported on January 2nd, 2015. And these aforementioned drugs and more like them are unfortunately being ingested by our populace here in this country, like 40 going north. Now, here's my thing. There also uh, was another report, um, listeners, by Talbot Recovery on TalbotCampus.com, and it says that when a person takes a prescription drug for a non-medical reason, it quickly leads to addiction and the need for drug treatment. In fact, 25% of people who misuse prescription drugs by age 13 ended up with an addiction at some point in their life. Now, my questions for this dinner table conversation, if you choose to have this one, is, first of all, if you haven't already done some research, listeners, about these drugs, so you'll be educated on the facts, you know, I I suggest that you do so, so that this will also be able to have a more lively discussion uh, with your, um, your dinner table guest. My initial question is, do you talk to your children about the opioid crisis in this country and to be aware to not ingest these drugs and that these drugs can and will be life altering in a negative way with a possibility of no turning back? Ask them, do they know what they are and the detriments of them? Tell them what the detriments are. 
Okay. And then ask your children, do you know someone at your school, for example, who has tried opioids and to stay away from them and to report them to you, the parents and the principal, for example, should they try to invite them into their dark world? The last thing I want to say is, do you generally clean your children's room on a weekly basis? I know I did. To take, you know, to not only make sure that they, you know, that they're putting their dirty clothes in the baskets to be clean, but and making up their beds, but to also make sure that there's no, you know, um, anything, you know, around any type of paraphernalia or or articles or anything that could possibly coerce them into doing something that they don't want to do, because our children are important to us and we need to protect them as much as possible. Now, as usual, if this is a a subject that you do not choose to discuss, to please come up with a meaningful subject of your own at your dinner table conversation. Okay, let me bring on my guest. His name is Reginald C. Campbell. He is the world's best mental health therapist, and I'm still waiting for him to write that article about cold water therapy. Good morning, Reginald, and welcome to my show. (laughs) Uh, Good morning, uh Maybe I'll get around to doing that real soon. But good morning. Good morning, yes. Dave. Good morning to all our wonderful, fantastic listeners. And glad you're here. God bless. And looking forward to the conversation today. Fantastic. Yes, we're going to have a, a good conversation today. Um, now, we're going to start off with Nancy Pelosi, a savvy political woman. Now, Nancy Pelosi told Trump that he will not be doing a State of the Union speech address in the House. And, well, you know, that angered him, which Nancy Pelosi, which I'm now dubbing her as the powerhouse Pelosi, is sticking to what she stated to him and very eloquently in a letter that I'm sure you all have heard. Now, according to the Los Angeles Times on January 23rd, 2019, an article by Jennifer Habercorn and Eli Stolkas titled Trump tells Pelosi he plans to give the State of the Union address in the House. And she says no. Well, you know, his response was, Reginald, there are no security concerns regarding the State of the Union address. Therefore, I will be honoring your invitation and fulfilling my constitutional duty to deliver important information to the people and the Congress of the United States of America regarding the State of the Union. Now, very factually, Pelosi responded a few hours later saying that the House would not consider a joint session to hear Trump's speech until the shutdown has ended. The Constitution does not mandate that the president deliver an annual address to the legislative branch, a tradition that began under Franklin Roosevelt, but only that he shall from time to time report to Congress on the state of the nation and recommend any measures to take. Now, also, Congress must approve a resolution allowing him to speak. As we know this, Rachel, to a joint session of the House and Senate, a requirement that reflects the constitutional separation of powers between the executive and legislative branches. Now, Trump says that they're making preparations and the sergeant at arms has assured us that they'll be prepared. Well, now we know from today's um, um, uh, news articles, Reginald, and uh, uh, broadcast is that he has backpedaled. And, you know, saying, you know, very begrudgingly, well, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to have it, you know, by the 29th. You know, so then uh, Pelosi, um, um, uh, you know, hit back at him. You know, I'm paraphrasing that, you know, okay, fine. So in other words, you know, we, we will have a resolution by the 29th. So what's your comments, Reginald? 
Well, yeah, first first of all, yeah, it, it is in the constitutional um, amendment or or uh, something that has to be done as far as the state, state of the union. And, and, right, that was something that was done by FDR, uh, Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt, to give an update of the state of the union uh, during that time because of the Great Depression, uh, which mm-hmm. started in 1929. So it, it was his way of of uh, keeping people updated on how things were going as far as the economy and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Trump is going to have to backpedal because, as you know, uh, a constitutional scholar he's got, uh, as uh, Barack Obama was, a constitutional scholar, because he taught constitutional law at the University of Chicago, and Nancy Pelosi is a constitutional scholar, scholar as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, so the State of the Union, here's my opinion, the State of the Union is a mess, because because of his stupid, stupid asinine wall that he wants to build, there's over 800,000, if they said 800,000, you know, we're, we're talking a million more people, plus all of the mm-hmm. nominal effects of the companies that are affected by that, by people who aren't spending money, putting in the economy, the other companies that are supplying things to people. So that 800,000 turns into a few million. So mm-hmm. if he wants to give his little dog and pony speech, and that's all it would, would have been for him, a dog and pony yeah. speech, he can do it. In the overall, you know, exactly. That's as simple as that. Or he loves to tweet. He could just tweet it. Exactly. <laughs> 140 so, characters or more, whatever it is, at a time. I don't tweet, so whatever it is, he'll be there for a while tweeting, Reginald. You know, because he's he's pretty winded. You know, he wants to be listened to. So apparently. You know, as he was coming up, he wasn't uh, listened to enough or, or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, obviously he wasn't listened to, he wasn't hugged or nothing. Well, we, we, well, we know his father was a Klan member. That's, that's a proven fact. Well, his mother was too, so. Absolutely. So for people who want to get angry at me for saying that, I don't care. And secondly, uh, look up the facts. So, exactly. uh, you know, so yeah, it's, you know, we have people who are out of work who are coming up to their second pay, a time, pay period where they're not going to get a paycheck. Now, that's mm-hmm. totally, totally ridiculous. I, You know, there's times in my life when I've been there, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a nice place to be. And no, it isn't. when someone has a job, and, and, and here's the horrible thing, they have a job, and, and they won't pay them for the job that they do. They're doing, they exactly. And do their job. I mean, this exactly. is totally ridiculous. Yes, it is. Now, th- we're going to talk about that. Uh, later on, you know, more in depth. But see, this is why I say, um, uh, uh, Reginald, that he definitely has a totalitarian mindset, you know, a dictator mindset. And um, he also doesn't realize that slavery has, has been, you know, gone for, for years. But he would like to reintroduce that, that, you know, I tell you what to do. You do what I say. And and that's it. You know, don't ask me uh, anything about it. You know, don't don't be disgruntled about it. Just do what I say. And, you know, and that's it. Well, you know, that's not the way that it goes. You know, so I don't know what shell bubble or whatever he was living in uh, prior to the unfortunate position that he has now, which is sitting in the Oval Office. But he is getting a good spanking 
from this um uh, um house of of uh, house you know uh, uh this from this congress of how things are actually supposed to be taken care of okay thank you Rachel for this comment let's move on to our next one which is traveling while black now this was a CBS uh, morning report um uh and the interviewer was Margaret Teichner I love Margaret Teichner now mm-hmm. um this uh, report aired on January 13th, uh, Reginald, and she was interviewing Alice Clay Broadwater, who was a teacher traveling between Boston and the South with her family during the Jim Crow era and her son, Douglas Broadwater. And they talked with Margaret Teichner about their experiences relying on the Green Book Guide for African-American Travelers, even after segregation was legally ended by the Civil Rights Act. Now, I want to give a bit of history for you, my listeners, is that the Green Book was initially published in 1936 by a man named Victor Hugo Green. He was a New Yorker retired mailman. Now, the full title of this book um, uh, was the Negro Motorist Green Book. He published this book because he wanted to be sure that as people of color who are traveling throughout this country could use this book as a guide to go to safe places for services that were needed along their journey. Now, I was very intrigued and interested by this history, you know, that was being reported on CBS Sunday um, morning. And my husband ordered for me uh, through Amazon three copies of this guide for knowledge and posterity. And I have the initial one that was published in 1936. I also have the one published in 1954. And I also have the one published in 1959. Now, one other important note to um, item to note, is that this book was published because of the rising African-American middle class having finances and vehicles for traveling, traveling, but facing a world where social and legal restrictions barred them from many accommodations. Now, there were there were these things called sundown towns, Reginald. I'm sure you know about that, meaning African-Americans could not spend the night there. You know, they could come there, but you can't spend the night there. You know, another reason this book was important. Now, this was a very interesting story, Reginald, as it laid out in detail about the racism that they had to deal with in this era with as people of color would be traveling not only in the South listeners, but throughout this entire country. People of color had to know exactly where they could stop to rest at a hotel or motel and where they could eat and fill up for gas. And by the way, Esso gas station was their um was their primary um uh stations where they could go and fill up and Esso gas stations were also the organization that would sell franchises to um uh, people of color because nobody else would. There's another tidbit of history. So now Douglas Broadwater, the gentleman being interviewed in this report, Rachel, he spoke very eloquently uh, you know, uh, you know, alongside his wife, Alice Clay Broadwater, as he spoke about his experience of not being able to go inside restaurants and be served as he was a little boy, eight years of age in 1968 with his father, who was a lawyer in South Carolina. Now, they were told, Reginald, that they could not be served. In this report, he stated to the interviewer that he felt that it was modern times and that it was after the Civil Rights Act passing and they should be OK. But it was not. They were told as they stopped in a restaurant in South Carolina that they would not serve Negroes. Now, Reginald, having been a young child during the civil rights movement in this country, I can recall events such as such as what I just spoke about that happened to me growing up. And I'm sure that you can recall events, you know, as well that, you know, that are similar events 
<coughs> excuse me, that led us to knowing where we could go, where we could not go. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Reginald, that, you know, when we were ch- uh, children and uh, I also am going to say that there that this is still going on because it has not died out. Um, but, um, you know, of, of events, you know, similar to what um, this report is stating. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Um, the Grain Book is something that yeah, I uh, definitely was familiar with, um, uh, speaking to uh, uh, more mature uh, uh, African-American uh, black people, you know, who, who, have, to, who have to travel. Uh, mm-hmm. There were certain places that, you know, you just couldn't go. Now, I can remember as a, as a child when we would, uh, you know, take, trips to, to Birmingham and the, and the Plymouth Station Wagon, and, you know, we went to Aunt Lula's uh, uh, wedding. Um, you know, I was four or five years old, like four years old at the time. I, I, I can remember, you know, Daddy talked about, you know, I know in certain places that, you know, were black could go. I can remember mm-hmm. us stopping on the side of the highway in some bushes so I could go to the bathroom because there were certain bathrooms that we couldn't go to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 13, uh, when I went to Birmingham to live for that year and year and a half or so, and you know, I took the took the hummingbird train by myself, and mom and daddy put me on the hummingbird train. That 12 hours ride, uh, 12 hours ride, that six in the evening, and arrived in Birmingham like seven in the morning. You know, I can remember mm-hmm. certain train cars that I could that I could go to. You know, they purchased my seat, obviously, and I had my seat, and they, you know, mom fixed my lunch and my, you know, dinner and everything for me to have on the train. And mm-hmm. but I knew that there were certain train, certain cars that I couldn't go to, go to. There was a gentleman, a black gentleman, who uh, sat behind me. Obviously, you know, I was traveling by, by myself, and you know, kind of befriended me and said, Look, you know, don't go here, don't go there. You know, you have to go to the bathroom. Go here. You know, go go to this car, go to that car. You know. So he was like kind of a mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so I can definitely remember all of all of those things that you know, I took that trip for five to six times back and forth to Chicago, to Birmingham, you know, during that time when I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, but it mm-hmm. definitely helped, helped me grow up. Uh, mm-hmm. It instilled something in me at the age of 13 and 14 that I saw mm-hmm. firsthand for, for myself. And, uh, you know, there was still the remnants of, 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 of Jim Crow, you know, when I went to Birmingham. There was still those remnants of Jim Crow. I saw it firsthand. So, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, it's uh, definitely a, a history lesson that that book, um, you know, traveling book is something that um, I think a lot of black people should, um, you know, expose to their, you know, to, to the younger generation. So. Exactly. Because, you know, the thing that the realization, the 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 uh, the hard realization, uh, Reginald and my listeners, is that. Although, you know, there has been some steps taken um, for equality and things of this nature, that it really isn't happening. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? It really it really is not happening. You know, there still is a lot 
of racism, um, you know, going on. I experienced it, you know, as I was, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, a young girl, you know, getting out, working and um, and uh, the, the racism things that I had to deal with. Well, let's take it all the way back to when we were in Catholic school, the racism that we had to deal with that. But we didn't have to sure. deal with it much because Thomas Campbell was our father. And that's all I'm going to say about that. However, mm-hmm. bringing it, bringing it up to, um, uh, bringing it up to, you know, uh, catapulting it a little bit and more into the future, living in Chicago, when, uh, people of color, uh, middle class people of color, you know, there was a boom of that, okay? Middle class mm-hmm. individuals. And they were purchasing homes on the south side of Chicago. Now, there were, there were, um, uh, we were still, uh, practicing Catholics. And remember, there are a lot of Catholic priests that were marching with these <laughs> right wing individuals, you know, <laughs> chanting down the street, you cannot cross, you know, 79th and Racine, you know. And then when uh, people of color were buying houses in that area and then then, is, you know, oh, you cannot cross 79th and Damon. You know, you know, it was all these all these kinds of things, you know. So so, you know, it was it was. um it was it was really something you know um as you know as a young child having to to see that um uh you know saw on the news um about you know in, in, at the stockyard there how they how they uh treated the individuals there that were protesting you know and so on and so on you know so there was a lot of history um as a young child you know coming up you know in in the 60s um it was it was very very educated so i totally agree um, with, you know, make sure that you that you keep with the um, the history of, of you know, of, of black America, you know, um, and, the you know, the rise of black America and, and things like that, you know, and we are still rising. That's, that's not going to stop. You, you know, you can't. That's something that you just can't stop. It's just not going to happen. But my thing right. but my thing is, Reginald, is that it still continues. It still continues. I mean, it was, you know, in in the court mm-hmm. systems and stuff, you know, that I that I work for. It's just it's just ridiculous, you know. And of course, I take up for myself. I'm not one of these that, you know, I'm turning a blind eye. You know, it's that I take up for myself because I know my rights, you know. So, um, you know, I know my and rights, and I'm not putting up with it, whether I'm in court at the grocery store or with me so you come across me it's not going to be an easy boat and i'm not one that that goes out and say well you know you know i go for bad or whatever no i just don't tolerate bullshit i just i just don't do it you know yeah, <laughs> your and, comments and, reginald yeah and, and just speaking of uh uh the integration of the of the south side of of, of chicago uh and, and the priests if you remember one of the priests who were who were protesting to keep blacks out of marquette park and yeah. in those areas, mm-hmm. was Father Lawler. Remember, it was called yeah. Lawlerland. Lawlerland, yes. Okay, remember that. So, yep. And 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 uh, Dr. King in 1966 marched in Marquette Park. I don't know if he marched in Cicero, but he marched. Yep. He marched in Marquette Park, and, and, yep. and in Lawlerland, and all of that. You know, for for open housing, he was fighting Mayor Daly tooth and nail for open housing, and yeah. Mayor Daly was fighting. The nail, and that's you know for uh, for for uh, black middle class people not to move into those areas. So so you have to write a lot of this. You know, I have seen, we have seen, you know, people of our 
uh, generation have seen firsthand, have seen this firsthand. This is what's going on right now. We've seen this movie. We've, we've, yes. we've, we've read this book. We've heard this song. And we're not going to do this again. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's not going to no. do it. No. It's not happening. Nobody is going to go back in time. You know, we understand about the the past. You study the past so that you can have a better future. Okay, that's the that's the reason for studying the you know studying the past is to have a better future. And this is one of the things that uh, this person sitting in the White House thought that he was going to be able to smooth over so quickly is because he 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 was he was um told um. Um, non-factual information that uh, his it's so stupid I hate saying this word that his base okay will support him that he has so many people that will support him that he will be able to do whatever the hell he wants to do and so the thing is is that he sees that he is not able to do whatever he wants to do okay and that and I'm good with that as I said, there is a God, all right, and there are representatives of God here on earth who are going to denounce these things tooth and nail, all right. But you know, uh, to my listeners, you know, you, you know, I th- this is what I'm this is what I'm saying is that you know, I I would like to you know have because I'm going to uh, get a copy, the first copy of the Green Book for 1936, and I'm going to give them both to my to my grandchildren. You know, for ed- education and posterity, mm-hmm. and I have already talked to them mm-hmm. about it. I've already talked to them about the book, showed them the books, because I want them to be aware of of things. I'm always right. talking and teaching them varying things, but it's also a very good. Um, Marsha Marsha Teisner did an excellent interview about this subject, and it's a very educational, um, um, uh, uh, you know, interview. And as we are now, Reginald, look, going into February, which is Black History Month. Um, this would be something very good, you know, for people to go and get this book or these books, get as many copies um, as right. as you want and pass them out, um, you know, to people. And, and of course, keep one for yourself, you know, um, as posterity, education and a reminder of from, you know, of what we had to deal with and what we still have to deal with today. OK, absolutely. absolutely. Now. It's a great mm-hmm. educational. It's a that book is a great educational piece, and and uh, yeah, I, I commend you for for passing that on to uh, CJ and 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 uh, and T-Bird. Uh, so and and uh, listeners, please purchase that book, and, and you know because this this is history. This is knowledge. These are things that uh, that our younger generation need to know about. This will help them to understand what's going on now. You cannot understand and deal with the present and the future unless you understand and are familiar with what has happened in your past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, as I said, books are just fabulous. And I'm going to tell you something else, too, that I did with, with, um, with my babies. Um, Tierra has the book Becoming by Michelle Obama. And I gave uh, Marty the book, um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. 
He's an excellent individual, man of color who did phenomenal, phenomenal feats as he was in uh, the military. And these all both of these books are very inspiring. So I'm all about inspiring people, whether they're in my family or out of my family. You know, inspiration is is um, is 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 fabulous. You know, so we, we got to keep that going. OK, let's move on to our next uh, discussion, Reginald, which is is slavery still alive in this country? Now, here, uh, here we are. All right. We're soon going to be, unfortunately, looking at like 35 days of an unnecessary government shutdown. And our entire country is feeling the negative force as a result of it. For example, 36,000 IRS employees, Reggie, were ordered, you know, to go back to work. Not asked. They didn't ask them. They ordered them. So, just, see, you know, I pay attention to everything that a person is saying. I or I'm ordering you, okay, to go back to work without pay, okay. Now, it's not starting, um, you know, it's now starting, Reginald and my listeners, to look like 1930s when you know, with the Great Depression, when people were lined up for the soup kitchens. You know, and so you're, you're looking at these people in Washington and you have restaurants, God bless them, and other mm-hmm. um, uh, facilities that are giving food. And people are lined up by the hundreds. I mean, this yeah. is totally yeah. ridiculous. You know, for example, yeah. ABCnews.go.com reported that hundreds of furloughed federal report uh, workers waited on Friday to get free food at a popular kitchen on Pennsylvania Avenue not far from the White House and Capitol on day 28 of the longest running government shutdown. Now, for all of us who've been to Washington, we know the perspective um, of, of where, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue, where this restaurant is. My husband and I know where this is. Now, furloughed workers waiting in a line that snaked around the building, Reginald, that houses the Washington, D.C. kitchen were served grilled steak sandwiches, fal- uh, falafel uh, quinoa bowls, vegetable and burger wheat soup, were also on the menu. Now, also, Reginald, here's the other important, you know, items that's going completely awry. No one is checking the food that we are consuming. Right. That's right. The, F- that's the right. FBI, the FBI is running out of funds. Yeah. Our, mil- our military is at stake. The IRS employees are done, tired of working with no pay, regardless of the fact. They will receive their pay once the government reopens. Hence the word once the government reopens. Our society as a whole, listeners, is failing because our economy is suffering. Our economy is suffering. So if we do not, like I've said so many times, if we do not have a thriving society, a thriving society, then our economy is going to fail. So, Reginald, how can people honestly go back to work without having money to do so? How cold and callous of this person in the White House and his administration to say this to people and tell people, you know, why don't you have garage sales and and things of this Mm -hmm. nature, you know, sell Mm -hmm. your stuff because because, you know, sell sell your things because this is what I've done to you. But, you know, I was you know, I was told, you know, I was told that, um, you know, that that I have enough people, you know, that will support me 
on my mm-hmm. devilment. All right. Now, mm-hmm. this weekend, he was going nuts. Well, he's, you know, he's nuts. And so he <laughs> did a yeah, unsurmountable, well. an unsurmountable amount of tweets. They, they reported 40. Now, here's one of the tweets that, that I read that I want to, to, you know, put into my discussion this morning to back up what I just said that he thinks that he actually think in his delusional mind that people are for him, regardless of the fact information that he's hearing that people fucking are not. He says in this tweet, to all of the great people who are working so hard for your country and not getting paid, I say in capital letters, thank you, you are great patriots. Trump wrote online, We must now work together after decades of abuse to finally fix the humanitarian, criminal, and drug crisis at our border. Then in capital, we will win big. Your comments, Reginald? Two words, mental illness. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) all in capital, all in all all, all, all in uppercase, and, oh. and 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 I know mental illness as a as a, as a, as a, as a that that's your area. That's your area. <laughs> you know, it's it's so. I mean, I mean, you're right. The people who are lined up for food, you know, to receive food baskets and and things like that, is it, and and they have jobs. They want to work. Mm-hmm. You know, for him to have to say these asinine, crude things that people are for this wall versus having their paycheck in itself is a reason for him to be out of the White House. Just Thank that you. statement. So you yes. think that people rather have this wall than have a paycheck where they can support their families and put money into the economy? And then when you go to the store then and buy things in the, the store, they can replace those things because you're buying, you know, this chain that just keeps going when money is in the economy. And that chain that stops when money is not in the economy. Exactly. So, and, and to tell people, you know, you're great patriots. And I, I mean, this is this is just yep. utterly sickening. Isn't it? Isn't I mean, it sickening? Because it, Reginald- it really is. Yeah, because remember when he addressed the U.N., okay, and he said they're standing up there, uh, you know, looking lost and, and whatever. He was saying that we're not, you know, global. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. We're not, you know, he doesn't believe in globalism. We believe in patriotism. He thought he said something that's going to go down in history. Like someone, yeah. someone else may say, well, I quote, and if anyone quotes that as and taking that as something fabulous or whatever, well, they're just as stupid as he is. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Well, you know, he also didn't get the fact that they were laughing at him also. You know, so, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. you know, he, he even had to stop. The, oh, I, I, I didn't know I was going to get that, get that response. Uh, yeah, because you know, because you're you're an idiot. Because you're a knucklehead, okay. exactly. That's why. That's why you got that that response. But but it's just it's it's just sad that uh, you know again people are 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 forced to work. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so so unions 
need to be, and, and, and I'm sure that, that they are because I'm definitely pro-union. Just let me say that right off the bat. And and uh, and, and, I second, and I second that. You know, mm-hmm. as, as a as a young guy, I was a member of 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 Teamsters, and I was a young guy in my twenties driving a, a delivery truck, and I saw the good work that the Teamsters Union and other unions have 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 done. And I'm sure they're out there protesting and doing things, but the media, the media is not covering this, and they're part no, of the they reason. Aren't that this person is temporarily in the White House. So they exactly. have blame for that as, as well. But but this exactly. needs to end. It needs to end now. And people need to get back to work so they can support their families and put money back into the economy because this is just cruel. It's cruel yes, it and is. it's sickening. It's really yes, it sickening. is. It is. It's cruel. Now, let me... Let me um, 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 uh, I want to give, uh, tell my listeners this thing. Now, this was a report, um, on the Wall Street Journal, uh, dated January 23rd, 2019 by Ben Eisen. And it's titled, mm-hmm. No Pay Stub, No Problem. Unconventional Mortgages Make a Comeback. Are you guys, all of you who are, know about real estate and or who don't know about real estate, but you know, you have some knowledge on, on their varying, uh, mortgages. Unconventional mortgages, not conventional, unconventional mm-hmm. mortgages make a comeback. Now, the lead in says lenders are turning to borrowers with harder to document finances, helping growth in the kind of home loans panned for role in housing meltdown. Okay. Now, Ar- Ariana Herring didn't have pay stubs or tax forms to document her income when she shopped around for a mortgage last year. A problem that made it tough for her to get her loan. But the nursing student who works part time providing home care for her children and the elderly eventually hit pay dirt. For a roughly $610,000 home loan, a mortgage company let her verify her earnings with 12 months of bank statements and letters from clients. Miss Herring said money she collects from roommates and from renting to Airbnb guests covers more than two thirds of her roughly, get this, $4,300 in monthly payments and her earnings cover the rest. Now, why are you saying, well, what is the, what, what is this about this story? Because remember when Bush was in office, George W. Bush, when he was in office, we had the, you know, we had the housing. And at that time, that was the only thing that was, that was, that was the only thing that was, that was, um, um, uh, you know, going in this country is that people mm-hmm. were buying houses. And what happened, and what happened, um, uh, Reginald is that, and my listeners is that the housing kept getting higher and higher. And we're seeing this today. You know, my husband and I, we're, we're looking at, you know, varying things and we're seeing this today that the housing is starting to creep up. Like, you know, really, <clears throat> is that house really worth $910,000? You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they got all this, they got all this building going on. Now, as I said, I'm an analyst and I'm not understanding why people who are on television and, and they're spewing their analyst knowledge, why they are not forecasters, why they don't have future knowledge of seeing that they really need to slow down. And I have been saying this for like a year and a half. They need to slow mm-hmm. down with all of this building because I saw yeah. all of this crazy coming with this person in the White House. 
Okay, so yeah. here we are once again with man never learning anything. We're doing the same thing over and over again. So now we're going to have a bunch of houses that's sitting out there. We're going to have mm-hmm. we're going to have um um areas, plots of land that houses were building and then they had to stop building because they don't have any funds. The banks aren't lending them any money and so forth and so on. You know, why is that? Why is that, you ask yourself, that man continues to do the same thing over and over and over again, you know, seemingly not learning a lesson, Reginald? You know what I'm saying? And the number one thing, the number one thing for me, okay, everyone has their own opinion. This is my show, my opinion, is because they are disconnected from the source, and that source is God. They are out there, and they are lost. So here we go. We're going to have the same crap right. that we had, right. you know, 10 years or 15, you know, 10 years, 12 years mm-hmm. or whatever ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the mm-hmm. same crap in this country because they just don't learn. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Right, right. And the same thing is going to happen. You know, I was tell- it's just it's ironic, I, you know, as I was driving into work, uh, you know, right when the show started, <clears throat> you know, I was telling you how they're building uh next to next to my complex and they've got all the construction and everything you know out out there and and I'm thinking who's who's buying who's purchasing these homes mhm you know who who's purchasing these homes how about yeah. rebuilding some of the areas that need rebuilding and on on the west side of chicago you know south phoenix south and, phoenix you know, exactly on, 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 oh god south phoenix okay you know so, revitalize so those areas. Revitalize what about what areas, about what about right. what about building schools? You know, what about well, building schools and absolutely. and you know and absolutely. and re and reeducating you know the educated and educate the uneducated. What about that? What about that? Take that absolutely. money and put that and put that into something that's more much more feasible than sitting up there pushing rockets up into space. And and all of this other craziness, thinking about having space, um, we're going to do war, but outside of outside in space, all kind of stupid crap like that. That is not going to help human beings move forward and upward in their lives. It's not going to help. It's just spending money, throwing good money out the bad. It's it's just yeah. it's it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's, that, that's, it's I, I'm just saying. You know, it's just ridiculous. And, and and I'm a proponent of, you know, as you are, I'm a proponent of science and, and space and, you know, things like that. But, yeah. you know, we need to take care of what's here, of what's down here, you mm-hmm. know, first. Uh, you, you know, they can always come up with billions of dollars, as I said before. You know, this knucklehead wants to come up with $5 billion to build a wall where <laughs> people can go under you know, or or where there's drones and airplanes and other things to monitor um, uh, that that situation. But when it mm-hmm. comes to feeding our children, building schools, taking care of our veterans, taking care of our seniors, taking care to have health care that everybody can have infrastructure. There's no money for that. In infrastructure. Oh gosh, infrastructure. You know, there's no money for that. But you can dig in and get five what five billion dollars for a wall. But we can't take care of all of the people who are disarticulated in the situations that are just articulated that we need to do down.
down here to take care of people. How about these workers who are out of work, work. who have a exactly. job but are out of work? Why can't we come up with some millions of dollars where they can be fed, some millions of dollars where their mortgages can be taken care of and and, and rent and car payments and, and school tuition until they're back at work to and work. receiving exactly. their, their paycheck? Well, now, well, how about, social, well, how about now, this? If socialism, get this, if that's yeah. socialism, sign me up. If that's exactly. socialism, I'm, now, writing, he, I'm writing on the dotted line. Exactly. And and here's 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 this is the thing that 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 I'm saying, you know, I appreciate all that you said and all that needs to happen. But this is me. I just I just go for it and just call it a day. Just fucking tell the people to go back to work. That's all you got to do. You know, you know, is your ego edging God out? See, this is what I'm saying. Edging God out with your skeptical ass as you're sitting in the White House that slaves built. You don't want people to know that, oh, my God, I okay, I told my told my followers that, you know, I was going to build this wall so that that would appease to their continued racism. And, um, you know, so but but now I can't appease to their continued racism. But get this. But now you got people that that were for you and now they're turning against you. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and read the news. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, to, to realize that. You know what I'm saying? Because as I said, mm-hmm. what I find, Reginald and my listeners, is that people who are skeptics, they don't believe in anything higher than themselves. You know what I'm saying? They believe in everything Absolutely. that is dark. They believe in everything that is down and dark. That, that, that's Absolutely. what they believe in. That's what they believe in. So now I have, a I have about, um, three more, three or four more minutes. So I just want to, I uh, say, you know, that I, I pulled this up. That Thanks for that, Reginald. That was really good. Um, uh, you know, from goodnewsnetwork.org. Um, you know, as I'm ending my program, I just want to say that furloughed workers waiting in a line that snacked around the building that houses uh, the Washington, D.C. kitchen were served grilled steak sandwiches and falafel, quinoa bowls, vegetable and burger, wheat soup were, you know, that was on the menu. And, 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 you know, and I want to commend that restaurant and any and all yeah. restaurants that are opening up their business, people who are doing things to help individuals, because, you know, I am a, a big giver, you know, in helping the right people. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to just, you know, do some whatever, willy nilly, whatever, but, you know, helping the right people. I am all for that. And Ralph Waldo Emerson, who actually was one of my mother's favorite poets, um, she wrote poetry. Uh, he says, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell people that. Two, two other That's things, right. Reginald. Um, that on 114, uh, 2019, protesters were chanting, lock him up as he spoke to, to the Farm Bureau, um, you know, in New Orleans. This is being reported mm-hmm. by David Cause, you know, so did, do mm-hmm. you, did you know that listeners? And also, um, uh, Trump said to Mick Mulvaney, who is his chief of staff, that we are getting crushed after watching some recent coverage of the shutdown, according to one of the persons that are familiar with the conversation. So he knows that, oh, that, yeah. that this is, that this is not good. He knows that this is, that this is, you know, that this is not a good thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then he, then he says, it's, it's reported that he's saying, you know, why can't we get a deal? You know, and then, the response was that you've been getting deals. Nancy Pelosi has been putting deals on the table all the time. You have not been open to accept 
the deals that are that are being, you know, put on the table. You know, it, it's ridiculous. This thing can end and it needs to end. And that's that for that. You know, so I'm glad that Nancy Powerhouse Pelosi, <laughs> you know, is definitely um, his wake up, his wake up call. You know, she's working definitely on on behalf of um what I'm saying, she's working on behalf of God. She is definitely God's extension. And for that, I am very happy. Now, we um, have run out of time, Reginald. And now uh, this is a very good conversation. Yeah, very good conversation. And now next month, I will be returning in two weeks. So next month, the whole um, broadcast, both of my broadcasts will be all dedicated to black history. Um, we're going to be talking about individuals who um uh in the in the past and we're going to be talking about individuals uh in the present as well um having some some very good uh conversations um you know about that along with along with other things but we definitely are going to be honoring uh Black History Month next month so have saying that I thank you all for tuning in uh to me of course Reginald thank you so much for being um a great uh, conversationalist and commentary on my show um, as usual. Um, in March, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have um, an individual. It's going to be health month. So we're going to talk about some health things and um, we're going to be discussing, um, uh, you know, some things about mental health as well. But I'm going to have um, a young guy on who was a, a recipient of a, of a heart. And um, I know him very well. His name is Brett Wallach, and he's going to come on and talk about the importance of um, donating um, your vital organs. may seem a little grim and gloom, but um, nevertheless, it is important. So I'm asking that you guys go out there in, in spite of it all and have forward and upward thoughts in your head, because so as you think it, so as it will be. This is a great time to be living, regardless of what is going on. Always concentrate on the on the positive. Help those who want and need your help. Uh, let's help these people that are out of work. Let's keep praying that they return uh, to work. Be kind to yourself. That's where it starts. And then be kind to others. God bless you. And I'll be back in two weeks. This is Teresa E. Keys. Take care.